OWP, this is our wrestling podcast. This is Dave along with Jess. Oh, Dave. And Craig. Hello. Bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. And now on to our topic today, trendsetters, the dynamite kid. Hit us up on Instagram at OWP2019. Click on Linktree. You can find us on several platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. And anything we talk about is inspired by the WWE Network. So do yourself a favor and get your free month today to watch anything WWE, WCW, ECW, and more. Guys, will this particular trendsetter be Dynamite? I hope so. I <laughs> Hate you for saying that. I see what uh, you did there, Dave. Uh, yeah, so I didn't want this to be a legacy. This is the debut of our new series called Trendsetter. Um, I think this will this will take off. I, I, really I like uh, starting off with this because it's not that I don't think that he's good enough to have a legacy. I think that there's a lot of stuff about Dynamite that's not positive per se. And I'm not saying it's because I think he's a bad person because I obviously I don't know him as a person. But um, I think that when we do a legacy, it's of somebody of super significance and he is significant for a totally different reason. Dynamite kid was, uh, or Tom, B- uh, Billington. Um, you know, we do legacies on people like, you know, uh, Hogan and, and, and even Vader to a certain extent, we did do a legacy. It's people in America who we got familiar with. Uh, dynamite is very familiar to American wrestling fans, but really for the wrong reasons. I, started watching wrestling in very, very late 87, 87, excuse me, slash beginning of 88. I knew him as one half of the British Bulldogs. And that's all I knew him as. And he would do that cool snap suplex, right? Like in in, in that headbutt Mm -hmm. from the top rope. And those were the two things that I remembered. But in WWF, I would learn as I got older and got to know the industry. You got neutered a lot, pun intended, um, in the WWF. In the WWF, because like Vince just wants you to fit in your role. And if he has a superhero that does certain things, you are he is protected, that superhero. And the other guys can't wrestle to their full extent. I mean, you don't think people like, you know, Bret Hart and Dynamite could they could tear the house down anytime they want to um, because they're they were talented, but they were held back a little bit. Not until I started tape trading um, in the early 90s that I really understand the effects and the trend that dynamite set and what kind of a magnificent professional wrestler he truly was. And I saw that because I saw a guy by the name of Chris Benoit who did this move called the snap suplex. And I was like, dynamite did that. He's copying the dynamite kid. I, 
just saying that I only knew the body of work that Dynamite did in the WWF during his tag run. So I started tape trading and getting some Dynamite. And then you see the gem, which we'll get to when Dave starts reading on uh, the Tiger Mask series of matches. Then I realized, like, holy shit. Guys like Hulk Hogan and The Rock and Steve Austin and Flair and Macho Man and The Warrior, they change wrestling like on a mainstream appeal because you're attracted to them because they're comic book characters come to life. Basically, when I realized the connection between Dynamite and Benoit and who Benoit was emulating, I realized like, oh, there's like a behind the scenes trend setting that goes on where people copy styles. And people copy language, wrestling language, movement. Uh, I always say flow like water and stuff. And there's a many different types. So then I started to really appreciate that, which is, and then I became a, a type of professional wrestling fan who enjoyed work and people, their body of work. And I still loved Hogan and enjoyed those people and The Rock. And how can you not, right? But this series, I want to mean something in the sense of like, it's not just a legacy. It's he changed the way a lot of wrestlers that we watch now, a lot of wrestlers that we grew up with in the mid to late 90s, the way they wrestled and the way their language changed in the ring. He did something completely different uh, than a lot of other wrestlers did. And he was just this tag wrestler, right? When I first got to know him and when we all probably first got to know him. Uh, but really, he meant so much more before that. And he would go on to do some stuff shortly after it, unfortunately. And physically, he fell apart. And like I said, the main reason why I didn't want to do a legacy was because there's a lot of negative things, unfortunately, that happened in his life. And I'm sure his life did not end the way he wanted it to. Um, but at the same time, his legacy, his the trend that he set and the work that he changed um, will live on forever. And we still see it in wrestlers to this day. It certainly um, matters what yeah. he what he's done and what Dynamite Kid has done and the language that he spoke in that ring cannot be forgotten. It can't yep. be, just can't. Greg, yeah, uh, I mean, well said, uh, Jess, and I, I think that is a big distinction. It's not about uh, his career and the and the length of it and the matches that he had. It's it's how he influenced people. It's how he influenced style. It's how he influenced the sport in his short time here and. Um, um, he's, he's something special. I think people, people, uh, need, they should not forget about him. I hope Benoit passes it to Brian who passed it to someone else to always pay homage to dynamite kid and that style. I love it. Well, let's jump on into it. And, and you can read the, the prefix Dave here. Like I, I it, the first is called wrestling style because I yeah. want the, I want the trendsetters topic to be again, not, not like legacy where you're just, you know, talking about where they were born and where they started or whatever. But I want it to be noted that we're going to dive into his wrestling style, which is super, super important. Yeah. And I want to dive back a little bit legacy fashion um, to how he got it. How did he move like this? How did the dynamite kid get wired the way he was wired in the ring? I love it. Yeah. So the wrestling style drawn to sports rather than the academia that he was probably trying to try to set up forth. Tom Billington began pro wrestling training in 1975 by Ted Beatley, who ran a wrestling school out of his hometown in England. Tom would especially be drawn to gymnastics, which helped him develop a powerful, agile style. His father was also a boxer who instilled toughness in him and taught him those skills. In 76, Billington had his first TV match against Alan Dennison, and it was called The Dynamite Kid. 
Right from the start, he was introducing stuff that had never been seen before. Even as a green rookie, he had such unique movement while he was in there. Pretty so good match, I, this, right? this match is actually on YouTube. Uh, Alan Dennison and uh, Craig can talk about it more. The, the wrestling, Craig is from England. And the wrestling that he remembers uh, growing up was a very shooting style type of product. <clears throat> and they had rounds like boxing. So it's really foreign to American audiences. So this match actually has rounds. Introduced to in the red corner from Den Home, the Yorkshire strongman Alan Dennison. <laughs> and in the blue corner, a young boy making his first season in professional wrestling, the Dynamite Kid. He is so fucking young here, Dynamite, in this clip. And uh, he's super skinny, but it's this old veteran that he's wrestling, right? And and unfortunately, when guys like Hogan and stuff on the mainstream side started coming off, you had a backlash in the United States where people like race were like, bullshit. You're not a real wrestler. Bullshit. Like Bruno San Martino said, you're not the Mike caliber. You know, it's just a whole, it was a whole backlash. But here, to watch this match and, and Alan Dennison, the way he wrestled him, there was probably like a 20 year age, age difference, if I had to guess, like at this point here. This guy had to have been in his 40s, and Dynamite was fucking eight, had to have been 18 here. It was ridiculous. Just a kid, yeah. He was so skinny. But what he was doing was this is all mat wrestling. It's very realistic style wrestling where after they would get done with a, a chain, like, you know, a sequence of chain wrestling moves, the crowd would clap almost like a Japanese audience, but it was UK. And so he would get up and, but dynamite would always do just like a flip to get out of the, the, the wrist lock or whatever. And he did a lot of really tight moves. It didn't, it wasn't acrobatic. -y. I never thought that for a second watching this. I always thought like, holy shit. Like it wasn't he the would, flippy flip. He was doing theory. tight flips. If he had him in an arm bar, he would just do a flip in the context of the space they were taking up and yeah. stand up on his feet and get out of it. It yeah. wasn't like a, Oh, like a big right. flip. Flippy it was shit just, for flippy shit. It was a counter. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so, and then Alan would go to whip him into the ropes and on his way. So if I'm Irish whipping you, right. And I push you up against the ropes and I whip you. On the way to the other rope, Dynamite would do a flip, a front flip, come off the rope and have a counter ready. And you saw this Allen guy. The story was told brilliantly. He's trying to work it out. They acknowledge the fact that they were so different in age and that this is a new guy. And so much, in fact, that it ended because the big spot at, on the second round was he caught Dynamite doing one of those counters and choked, you know, threw his throat up against the top rope, almost like a stun gun, what Austin used to do. And then the ref stopped the match because the young kid, he couldn't breathe and he got his throat <laughs> hurt. But then Dynamite recovered. And afterwards, the veteran got on the mic and said, you know, like, I'm paraphrasing, but he was like, you know, I've never seen anything like this kid before. He's got something there. You know, I got him tonight. But like, he's something. He's the youth. He's the guy that's good. He's going to learn from this. Nice kid out of the head. Oh, missed him this time completely there in a bad mess. And landing on the top rope, throat first. And a kid may not... Oh, my gosh. That's a pity if this bout's ended now. Because it was just getting really interesting. But I'm afraid, no, the referee isn't even counting. He Out of, like, approval. And, like, it, it was amazing to watch. It was an you know, overcomer. You don't see that. You never saw that in the United States. You only saw that stuff. We'd always comment on Japanese crowds being very respectful and being dead quiet. And then when the spot was done, then yeah. you clap to appreciate the work. Here it was similar to that, but it was a very real feeling. It was like a, they were really fighting on the mat. They were really 
grappling, trying to get position, and Alum's trying to get on top of him. But Dynamite was this young guy. He was green. He, you know, he he did, couldn't put his gun in the holster quite, but like he just would flip and get out of it and stuff. And like people were like, oh, they were like, you know, audibly like, oh, like doing that. And uh, I was just so taken back by watching that from 1976. I was like, this is amazing to watch his infancy in wrestling and yeah. where he came from. Gymnastics were such a big part of it. <clears throat> Michaels, Shawn Michaels took gymnastics too. And it's a big part. Not so you could do obvious big flippity doodahs, not because of that, but he was learning to get a strong core and become majorly agile. And uh, you saw it here and my, I'll get into it later, but it's, he, he was countering here into offense, which is different than what we saw in America. We classify good workers in America as the Hennings and the Rudes and the Michaelses because they do good bumps. They take good bumps. Dynamite was aggressive and he turned his gymnastics into offense. And that was what was such a standout to me about Benoit, who I saw first, like not I saw the Dynamite kid first in America. But I saw, I appreciated what Benoit was doing. And then when I realized he looks just like Dynamite and he's built like him too, by the way, like I would go back and watch Dynamite and I was like, oh shit, like Benoit got everything from Dynamite. Like he, he was small below six foot. So he was like, I have to be explosive with my offense instead of my defense, which we were used to in America. A good worker is Flair who bumped for everybody, right? Sure. And adapted their style. And that is a good worker. I'm not saying it's not, but that's what we got to understand. This is good different. Worker. Like I said, yeah, it's, it's back here, it was like, he was super aggressive here. Craig, I'm sorry. I think I cut you off. I know you wanted to say some stuff, Craig. Um, no, like you can see how Dynamite was kind of uh, how we got to be this combination of what you're talking about, Jess, more offensive than defensive. And it starts gymnastics with a base of growing up in Wigan with his father was a boxer. And Wigan itself is a place known for like it's, I guess, that the... the the heart dungeon of like England, right? Like Wigan was a, a city, um, industrial city known for like shooters where I think he first started. So imagine having a, a dad as a, as a boxer, toughen you up, actually being what, probably 13, 12, 14, when he's in these like Wigan yeah. gyms, actually getting stretched and shot. And uh, what a, an amazingly tough guy that is with the finesse and the, of like a gymnast and a ballet. So you put those things together. He must've been one of the most fearless guys I mean, for a size, um, and when the more you read about it and how with the Bulldogs, he controlled Davey. He was the he was the leader and he was always the alpha. I mean, a background of toughness led to, I think, gymnastics plus uh, fearlessness. Right. He was, wasn't yeah. afraid of anyone or anything in the ring. Yeah, no, I think so. I, I don't think I was afraid of anyone at this moment. After being uh, to Craig's point, after being scouted by Stampede, he moved to Canada where he was getting Literally getting stretched by Stu Hart in the dungeon. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, that was so close. I have seen so many close counts in this one. Pile driver, can he pull him up? He can't pull him. Nope. Minute and 20 seconds left. Um, in 1979, Dynamite was put on his first tour of Japan. Shortly after that tour, Stampede Wrestling would begin a business relationship with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and Dynamite would wrestle there from 1980 to 1984. It was there where he continued to dazzle in the junior heavyweight division and incorporate skills he learned in England, Canada, and Mexico. He then began the feud that would eventually change American wrestling. So before we get into that, 
we talk about the Jerichos too and, and a lot of other people, but the more places you can get to and learn different styles, the better off you're going to be. Um, I, I think, um, like, like I said, Dynamite had some things that were kind of unfortunate uh, for him and for others. Um, if he could have kept it together, you could easily see a, a Jericho situation. He was all over the world. He's learning from everyone. Um, we always talk about those new Japan pro wrestling guys that can get over there and do work and come back to the States, bring usually bring back something pretty special. And uh, Dynamite was no exception there, right? It's bittersweet, you know, whether it's a legacy on someone of Dynamite's caliber or this style, you know, trendsetter kind of topic to talk about because I fell in love with that wrestling. And I, was, I wasn't even around that wrestling a lot because no. I, I grew up in WWF, so it was a cartoon all around me. But I, as a fan, I just was gravitated to it. We'll never see it again. We can't no. because all the territories are dead. And, you know, as much as you admire the NXT system and the way the training facility is in Florida, it's amazing. It's state of the art. There's no question. You cannot beat touring Japan, touring Mexico like these guys did back here. You know, Jericho and them were like kind of the last class, really, that did it on a big scale. Um, Mm -hmm. And Guerrero and all them like because uh, Mysterio as well. um, Like you just it it, it, it was dying out then. And then after the Monday Night Wars ended, it was just like. New Japan was dead for a while, you know, like it just wasn't anything special. And then now New Japan is, you know, really back in a big way. But still, American wrestlers, like they have to leave the WWF, leave comfort, leave big contracts to make the choice to be like, I got to go. That's why I appreciate people like Moxley and all them like they they're like, we love pro wrestling. Yeah, you could be like the Miz and have a good steady job for the rest of your life. And there's nothing wrong with that. Ziggler's another one. That people are like, oh, he's so underused, but dude, he's making a living at his dream, right? He may not be world champion, but like, or used the way we think, but like he's comfortable there. But then you have these other ones that I admire, like Jericho still has it in him. You know, he wants to leave. Fuck it. I'm going to go to AEW. I'm going to give it a shot. Cody Rhodes, Moxley, like I said, uh, you know, um, these guys want to learn the craft and they want to wrestle. And I love it. I love it. You can say what you want about AEW as a product. That's not the point. The point is, is like they want to grow and they want to go to New Japan and wrestle like AJ Styles did after TNA. And like he just wanted to go and grow. Uh, Daniel Bryanson did the the same thing. Uh, CM Punk did the same thing. And these guys, I love them. You know, we shit on them because we think like, oh, they're com- complacent or uh, punk stupid for leaving, uh, you know, the big time or whatever. But it's like nah, dude, he's they, still on, he's still on the moral high ground that he wanted to. Yeah, because because of the fact that he knew where he remembered where he came from and they got to learn Samoa Joe got to travel the world like they I love them. I love them for that because that art is dead. And there's, they were still grasping. They're trying to hang on to it. It's all but dead now, you know? Yeah, you can go to AEW, which is healthy, but we're never going to see what like what Dynamite went through. Yeah. The, the little TV studio that he did shoot wrestling in, you know, with rounds. And then he, yeah. you know, gets better and he goes to Mexico. He goes to Japan. He goes to Stampede. And, and Dave will get into the New Japan stuff right now. And then he went to the WWF and learned that way. And then went back to New Japan. You know, yeah. you don't. The freedom that those guys had back then, we we considered because we grew up in America as well. WWF, that's it. If you're not here, you ain't nothing. No, there was a whole they could go make a living in Japan, a very good living. Stan Hansen comes to mind. Dan Spivey comes to mind. You know, you have all these people that Vader, Vader, like, you know, it's like they you you don't have that. You need that. You need to be 
what dynamite was here and you, world traveled and he loved it. He loved it and he purposely sought it out. I'm going to move to Canada. I'm going to move here. It's amazing. Yep. I miss it. I love it. So here's the feud that changes it all. On April 23rd of 1981, he would take on Tiger Mask in the first of seven classic matches between 1981 to 1983. Uh, to say those matches defined an entire generation of wrestling would be an understatement. The this entire WCW it. cruiserweight division was a product of that. Uh, Paul Heyman uh, trying to make ECW not just hardcore when he brought in Guerrero, Malenko, Benoit, all those people. Jericho, um, yeah. This all came from Dynamite Kid. Like it really did. And and I'm not. There's a lot of people in Japan that did wrestle like him. So I'm not trying to shit on other people. But I'm talking about the influence he brought to America. Um, that was the, that's the importance. That's the link. We're going to talk about the tiger mask matches now, but I mean, like you go back and watch any of the tiger mask matches from the years that Dave just said, it is what modern wrestling is now, like in the sense, not, but not a throwaway spot fest. They had storylines, each one of these seven matches. There was a point, I think match three and four where dynamite was flirting, turning with heel because he just could not beat tiger mask. So he would get an object and he'd go in the ring and the trainers would stand up on the ring. Don't do it. Don't do it. And he'd pretend like he's going to hit Tiger Mask and oh, throw the object down and the crowd would cheer because he took the high road. Like, and it's, it was awesome. Every match of their seven matches had a different story like that they were telling in it. Not just the different spots they did, but the whole energy going into it. What was the, 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 what was the mood of both wrestlers, you know? And like, it just, it, I go back and watch it. You can watch a match from 1981 for fuck's sake and be like, am I in, am I in 2018 or am I in? Well, that's what I was going to say. I I, I think you could, I think you could take some of these, some of these matches from Tiger Mask and, and Dynamite and plug them into Ruthless Aggression. Yes. And and people, aside from the granular video, people probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference. No, it, and that's that's the compliment. Like it's not yeah, exactly. I know yeah. A lot of people say now it's so spotty, and it is different now. But it's a derivative of that. Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson, whatever you want to call him, uh, um, he was a huge product of Dynamite Kid. Uh, Chris Benoit is the most obvious. We say that Eddie Guerrero was another one that also grew up in a wrestling family, but he enjoyed Dynamite. He took a lot of that stuff. The three snap suplexes that he ended up doing, he ended up watering them down and doing them slow and deliberate in WWF. That was all a product of Dynamite Kid. Dynamite Kid, uh, you know, I can't say enough. Like, when I went back and my eyes got open, I'm like, this motherfucker that I just knew as a tag wrestler is actually a singles, like, pioneer. Like, he, everyone that was below six foot, he was their hero. Yeah. Right? There's not a wrestling biography that doesn't mention or, like, a shoot interview with uh, the best wrestlers in the world and everyone that you love that doesn't reference tiger mask uh, uh, matches and seeing them and how that inspired them to like change their style or, or be better or become a wrestler. It's like, it's, it's the, it's the common thread of everyone that we like love mentions the um, tiger mask and dynamite kid. And how the, far behind a revelation we were in the States though. Right. Like in 95, we were frustrated that people like Guerrero and Jericho and Benoit just fucking thick it. If, if they're in the cruiserweight division, they're fine. But once they get outside of that, they fucking get shit on. We get so mad. Like we were fighting and finally, you know, that moment when Guerrero and Benoit were super watered down at WrestleMania 20, they finally got to have their moment. That was emotional to us because it was all those years before that we were like, God, let 
Vince, let that wrestling shine. God mm-hmm. damn it. Stop it with the Hogan. Stop it with the big guys. Let these guys do their this thing. This is what we want to see. We had to yeah. fight. We didn't see that until 04, where it finally got celebrated, That's right? Insane. Like, you know, fuck. Like, where you really saw it you're talking yeah. about 1981 and 1983, and in America, Vince finally is like, okay, in 2004. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, and That's we were crazy. cheering hard. We were mad when fucking Benoit would lose in 95 because we're like, God damn, how do you not see? He's like the best wrestler you have. But, you know, it was a combination of us not getting it either or ignoring the fact that, you know, the rocks are important. The Hogan's are important. They are. But like, man, the wrestling fan in us, like we just had to wait so many years to see the Jericho's and the and the Guerrero's uh, erupt and finally have their the Mysterio's right. Finally have their moments. It's like, God, but it's kind of back here. We're kind of stepping into it, but it was in Japan. He often used a flying headbutt from the top rope. Made famous by Harley Race, who would execute that move. Harley Race would just kind of fall into it. Dynamite would jump over half the ring to perform that move. Yeah, Race would get up there. Race is not given enough credit <laughs> when he was younger yeah. for his yeah. fucking bumps that he would do. We mocked him a little yeah. bit in 87 when he was a step slow. But uh, in the early 80s, like Race was doing some crazy bumps for a guy who was a bigger dude. You know, but he would do the headbutt. He'd slam his opponent. He'd get on the top rope, but he, he slammed him yeah. close and he would fall just Falling from the top rope, just yeah. fall into it. It was impressive. It was cool. But it, he would fall into the headbutt. Like Dynamite would slam them on the other side of the ring and be like, oh, he's getting. Why is he going to the opposite fucking corner? Mm-hmm. And he would get on the opposite corner and dive from one corner and headbutt and fuck himself up, by the way, in real life. Like it's what led to the problems. You know that he the had back, later the neck and back. Uh, his major back issues and uh but man like it i remember him for that yes we all remember the cute little snap suplex he would do but that diving headbutt off the top rope or yeah, davy boy would pick chain. him up over his head and throw him into the headbutt on it when they did their tag team move like I, i'll never forget that man like dynamite was just fucking whew, like he was short he was way sh- smaller than davy boy as far as height wise but like he like when you he got in there, you're like, oh shit, like some stuff. And that's just his American watered down version of himself. Like he was injured a lot in his WWF run, and we didn't even know it, right? Like yeah. we had no idea that watching Dynamite in '87, why the fuck was he in a six mag at WrestleMania three? Well, he was because he, he was fucking hurt. He had couldn't to be barely fucking, carried to the yeah, ring. He could, he could barely, we didn't know that, right? But he when he got in there though for that thirty seconds. Snap suplex, headbutt, yep. like he hit his fucking moves and like, you know, or the, yep. that stiff clothesline he would do that broke fully. All, the, all the pain pills in the world to hit those two moves and get back out of it's, the ring. And, you know, it's, it's, you, you sound like you're joking in the sense, but it's tragic. It's true. Right? It's tragic. And it's true. And it's tragic. And man, like it's that headbutt, you know, race has been uh, in shoot interviews before he passed uh, was like, I regret doing that move because like people started copying it. And he was like, it hurt me. You know, like that took my spine and stretched it often. And he was yeah, like, imagine see, if you dive. He's like, I see these guys jumping it. off and doing it now and they're suffering bad from it, you know, and it's like you just don't realize it until you can't walk. Um, yeah. So you pinch your first nerve sport, and you're like, man. oh, I'm known for doing this diving head, but I got to keep doing it. Right. Like, you know, but it's it's not good for you. And you pop some pills and it's yeah. a drain. You start smiling on a drain. Well, let's shift gears here. We'll talk about wrestlers and fans who are influenced by Dynamite Kid. Unlike the WWF in America, Japan valued and often highlighted the junior heavyweight division. Their product was a more physical style to give the appearance of realism. The magic that the that the junior division brought was an acrobatic style that distinguished from the big heavyweights. So when tape training became prominent in the U.S. in the early 90s, fans got to see a different dynamite kid 
than you would see in WWF television in the mid-80s because he was tag team, but also because he was obviously hurt. Uh, when fans were able to see this style, they immediately started noticing uh, wrestlers like Chris Benoit, who was really noticeably crafting his style, just like Dynamite's. Eddie Guerrero also incorporated that style, as just said earlier, to his Lucha background. And then later, you get an entire crop of wrestlers that would adopt the style in America. Uh, Brian Danielson, or Daniel Bryan, as Jess has also stated, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels. Oh, God, I miss him, too. Others like him would emulate uh, what was the dynamite style, and, and that flowed with his timing and his footwork, the snap suplexes, the high aerial maneuvers. Um, dynamite inspired all of that. So this, the people you're seeing today, you're like, wow, that guy's good. You got dynamite to thank for emulating that style. And when I watched, we right? talked about that at that uh, his match early on against that Allen gentleman. Um, when I watched their armbar work and everything, like I thought a lot of Ring of Honor and uh, Daniel Bryanson, uh, 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 Brian Danielson, excuse me. Yeah, I keep, Brian Danielson. <laughs> I'm so used to saying uh, Daniel Christopher Bryan. Daniels, uh, too. Yeah. yeah. And Christopher Daniels. And, and when they were in the Ring of Honor with CM Punk and Samoa Joe and, and, and uh, Christopher Daniels and Brian Danielson, yeah. they, they would do mat work like that. And so when I watched that video in preparation for this, because I'd never seen that that UK footage before. Um, I was like, oh my God, like that was those four or five big wrestlers that I named that when Ring of Honor was that in that five year period where Ring of Honor was like, that was the indie darling promotion, right? Yeah. That was the one that you had to go watch. That was the next generation of wrestling. I, I was like, oh my God, we already saw it. And we had no idea. We had no idea that Dynamite already gave us that. But it took all, you know, until 06 or 07 for Ring of Honor to finally like, get the attention of hardcore wrestling fans like that were not hardcore like ecw hardcore but hardcore that were we we were tired of the goo goo and the gaga and the bubble gum we wanted wcw was long dead so we wanted selection we wanted variety and we saw ring of honor and we saw those guys do that and when i i watched uh daniel bryan and and samoa joe and cm punk and samoa joe and christopher daniels and daniel bryan christopher daniel and all that and i watched and aj i watched all that stuff and i was like man like that's so good. You know, mat work and they're, they're, they're bringing mat work back and, you know, doing all this and they're starting the matches out a little slow and they're starting out with, you know, catches, catch, can wrestling. And then they got into high spots or whatever. Just beautiful, beautiful. And then when I watched this stuff from dynamite, I'm like, Oh my God, like it was under our nose the entire time. He influenced even into the late two thousands dynamite kid. His style was still everywhere. And he never gets that justification. He'll never get that, that honor. Because just Vince just knew him as a tag wrestler, and Vince did. Yeah. I don't want you know. That's I'm not crazy. being a dick to Vince. He didn't really care about what he did outside. You know, he was just he was a British Bulldogs, and we all remember them. But like they didn't. I don't remember them as blazing a trail. But but when you go back and you study, please do. By the way, if anyone listens to this, like, and you like wrestling, you really like pro wrestling, go back and watch someone like Dynamite or Tiger Mask or Jushin Liger or Muda even, and you'll see. You'll see like. 
it's been around for a long time. So I'm glad you you caught Ring of Honor and that's what made you a wrestling fan. That's awesome if that's what it is. But go back and learn what how that came about. How those um, roots were. And were not only the yeah. wrestlers that you've talked about, he influenced, he actually, there's a story, he he made Bret Hart, really. Um, yeah. When Bulldogs were going to lose the title, he was hurt. He was in hospital and he wouldn't lose the titles to anyone but Hart Foundation. And he was basically... I think carried from the hospital to put over Hart Foundation and Brett, and that was the beginning of Bret Hart. From All from their bond in Stampede, uh, we didn't cover it, but Dynamite and Brett had great matches with mm-hmm. Brett as a rookie almost. Like that's how good yeah. Brett is too. By the way, this is a great well, match for yeah. Bret Hart versus Dynamite. They had ladder matches. Yeah. Like forget Sean, the, and, and like, on, in dark, yeah, in mm-hmm. dark matches and stuff too in WWF. Like when Davy Boy would be injured or whatever, or or Anvil couldn't make a shot or whatever. In some house shows for WWF in like 86, Dynamite would take on Brett. Introducing first from Leeds, England, weighing 239 pounds, the Dynamite Kid. And from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, weighing 235 pounds, Brett Hitman Hart. I think if you go on YouTube, there's actually a match from 86 Maple Leaf Gardens where those two yeah. took took on each other. So they they had a big history. I'm glad you brought that up, Craig. It's very true and very prominent. Like it's yeah, he did make Brett like in a sense and giving that title to the Hart Foundation. I mean, we all know what Brett became after that. It kept Brett going like it kept it gave him some yeah. notoriety earlier. And then Brett honed his single skills in WWF and learned how to wrestle their way and you know, was off from there. And I heard he won a couple titles. I don't know if that did after that, but and if you, if, yeah, if you can find it, um, during the heyday of the wrestling biographies, he, uh, pure dynamite was a book he wrote that wasn't like a mass produced. It was tough to find at times. But, it's his biography, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I forget what, what press or company like made it. If you can find a copy of that, that was one of the first, like super warts and all where he was 100% honest about. Yeah. It's gritty. So you yeah. want to talk about a guy who threw his own body through the door so everyone else could kind of walk through it later? Like pure dynamite in that book where he's really honest with himself um, and what it what it what it did to him towards the end. And it's it's horrifying what yeah. he went through and everything like and it was from this style, um, you know, people learned how to be safer. And I think that the food's a lot better now. The supplements are a lot better now. Um Back then, a lot of wrestlers, yeah. you know, like to take drugs and stuff. And yeah. and, and, and he was you know, totally self-destructive. Too, and and but, yeah, and yeah. drink heavily and all that stuff or whatever. And like this, take steroids and growth hormones. And they had no idea, right, what it would do. Sure. Nowadays, a lot of wrestlers, there's supplements that are safe. There's supplements that, you know, you could take now. The eating's a lot cleaner. They always make jokes now, too. Oh, all the wrestlers do now in the back is they play their video games. They got their face in their phones. I'm like, well, that's way better than fucking, you know, taking a bottle full of pills to get you through a match right. and then fucking downing it with vodka in, in the bar and staying up till four. Yeah, and the bar. You know, after, like, yeah. Jesus, that's why some of these guys are dying, right? Like they took, you yeah. know, steroids and growth hormones and combat, you know, combine that with alcohol. You're done. Like you're done early. Yeah. You'll do damage to your, even if you get clean later, it doesn't matter. You'll die in your fucking forties or fifties because your heart can't damage take to your it. Heart, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, unfortunately dynamite was one of those tragic stories, but I'm glad we did this. I'm glad you guys liked it. I'm glad you guys spoke your mind a lot too. Um, because, uh, it, it meant, it means a lot like to me as a wrestling fan, because I like the technical stuff. It's funny because I'm a Hogan fan and I was so much as you guys knew me growing up, 
but I loved the flares. I loved the workers. I loved Benoit when he came out. Guerrero, Jericho. Those are guys I always talked about, yeah. especially during the but uh, I never really appreciated Dynamite until, you know, video became available and then you could get access to stuff. And you go back and watch him and you're like, you you defined an industry and you didn't even know it. Like this guy, this tag wrestler that we know is the British Bulldogs, right? They came down with the Union Jack and the dog. and uh. But I mean, like, it was so much it was so much more than that. It was, they were tag champions, right? Awesome. Yeah, I, I, th- you know, I think like, to your point, Joe, it's like. Uh, we we need to kind of turn the crowd on to Dynamite versus Tiger. I think uh, Tiger Mask 2, Tiger Mask 3, Tiger Mask 7s were great matches. Uh, just to give you an idea. They're all available. You can find them on Bing. You can find them on YouTube. And, and the cool thing um, is about the seven you know, you, matches is like you could see him get better. Their first two matches were them feeling out. So it wasn't like I remember their first match specifically and reading a lot of comments on it. And the first like half was brilliant. And then the second half, a lot of people say kind of fell apart because they were they were they were making the formula right like they were making yeah. the, the like the way we view modern wrestling now they were making that back in 81 like and then their second match was a little better and they had a little different thing to it then their third match or their fourth match whatever which one was a little different they decided to do more aerial mm. than ground so by the time they got to their sixth and seventh matches which dave Meltzer, i think their seventh match is the famous original five star match that he gave or whatever something like wow. that uh, you know, it's like he they got better and better. And when you got to match six and seven, you were seeing masterpieces. You were seeing these two guys that took three years to literally define a style of wrestling. I even saying that is like, what, what does that mean? Like, but well, it means everybody you liked after that probably was influenced by him and, and Tiger Mask to give him credit, too. But we're talking about yeah. Dynamite. Dynamite was fearless and like I, I i emphasized it before he was different a different worker than what we knew as workers we again we the defensive guys the bumps the this and that he could bump fine dynamite but his his working was offensive he was aggressive he was like benoit he was like you know he just they would go they would do their offensive moves you're like oh like such whoa what a snap on that clothesline what a snap on that suplex and you dynamite developed that like he brought yeah. that to the U.S. because he like it, guys, he brought it to the U.S. by chance. He was like that. That was in him. That's the way he wrestled. But we got lucky and got to see him here in a watered down version to catch on and go, wait a minute. Eh, what did he do before that? Oh, shit. He had these seven matches that fucking changed, you know, influenced and uh, inspired guys that we still watch today. Samoa Joe. Yeah. Daniel Bryan, you know, like up until a few years ago, CM Punk. And, you know, like, it's, yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy. Craig, so, close uh, us out, man. Yeah, it was the, this is a great category. Uh, Dynamite was perfect for the first version of kind of trendsetters because I think there's a lot of wrestlers out there <clears throat> to add to this list of folks that it's not about their legacy rather than the effect they had blazing the trail or setting the trend. So uh, look to see more of these. This was fun. <clears throat> Very good. Hit us up on Instagram at OWP2019. Click on Linktree. You can find us on several platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. And anything we talk about is inspired by the WWE Network. So do yourself a favor and get your free month today to watch anything WWE, WCW, ECW, and more. This is Dave, Craig, and Jess with the OWP signing off. Have a good one. Tell you where I want to protect you and others. Let me ask you.